Today's scripture will be coming from Matthew 6, 14 through 15. For if you forgive others to their, for their transgression, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgression. Thank you, gentlemen. It's very good to see all of you this morning. Um, those of you that we can't see that's out there in uh, social media land, TV land, as it were, we're glad you have tuned in also. Um, I uh, also want to mention, as has been already said, how much we appreciate everybody for being here. We are having people come back. Some of you, this is your first time since this COVID-19 began. And so we're very grateful that, that you're here and appreciate it. It's always good to see each other. I love the family reunion spirit that, that we have when we come in. We haven't seen each other for some time. And, and that's great. And that's the way it ought to be in the Lord's church. We look forward to those of you who are still out there that, that are a little bit hesitant. And we've said all along, use your common sense and you'll know when to come back. But we, we're looking forward to more and more of you being able to get back with us and, and appreciate it and, and be the, the family that God intends us to be. Beloved, I uh, taught a Bible class last week on, from the Christian Chronicle about a couple that had a daughter that was in college and, and she was brutally violated and then murdered. And, 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 the, and the article was about how the parents through the years, and it took some years, but how they came to forgive the two men that murdered their daughter and, and actually contacted them, and as a re they're in prison, of course, and as a result was able to baptize them into Christ, and they're in prison leading other people to Christ. And it's a, it's a wonderful story. And so, so that prompted me to give my lesson, uh, the, the sermon, also on forgiveness and what Jesus has to say and the Bible has to say about uh, forgiving and how we must do that if we're going to be Christians and if we want to get to heaven. And... Um, and, and it seemed like a lesson on forgiveness for whatever reason always, um, w always raises a lot of questions. One, I want to appreciate all of y'all. So many people online and in person told me how much you appreciated the lesson and the, and the, and the sermon last week. And, and I do appreciate that. Um, and, and so, but it did raise a lot of questions too. And so that's what I want to try to deal with some of those questions today um, and, and talk about uh, what forgiveness means and what it doesn't mean because, because I think there's some misconception about that, okay? Number one is this. Um, healing, uh, I'm sorry, forgiveness does not mean allowing continued abuse and wrongdoing. Okay, a lot of people have that, you know, um, and uh, people will say, well, if you really love me and you say you forgive me, then, then, you know, and it's an ongoing thing, and there's no true repentance from the person that's the, that's, that's the perpetrator of, 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 of this and, and what's going on. And, brother, I've seen this, and, 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 and people will excuse, uh, we'll talk about that, but they'll excuse someone's behavior by saying, well, I've forgiven it. No, it doesn't excuse the behavior, brothers and sisters. Some people will allow continued abuse because of their misunderstanding of forgiveness, you know. There'll be a wife that's um, being beaten, having ongoing adultery, emotional abuse, you know, and, uh, and, and they'll say, well, I forgive him. I, no, that, doesn't, that does not excuse the behavior of the other person. Um, whenever it's within our power, brothers and sisters, we should not allow other people to abuse us and do us wrong. The Bible uh, gives four Greek words for the word love. The strongest, of course, is agape. And agape, the meaning of that is that it seeks the highest good of the recipient. When we allow others to use us or to abuse us, it's not for their good. It puts them on a pathway to hell, as a matter of fact. And so you become what is called in the um, uh, counseling uh, circles an enabler. 
you enable that person, you encourage that person to continue to remain in that sinful, ungodly behavior. And as a such, then, you also help enable that wrongdoer on a pathway to hell if they do not repent. And so, brethren, we need to understand that. You can forgive somebody, and the Bible says we're to do that, but yet that person may be so determined to do wrong, and that's their choice, that may be their lifestyle, and they're going to be lost if they don't get right with the Lord, but you don't have to help them do that. You don't have to become an enabler. In fact, you shouldn't biblically do so. Being a doormat isn't good for the transgressor. And being a doormat is not good for you. In fact, what we need to do is to love that person enough to confront and convict the wrongdoer in a biblical way. You see Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 for an example of this. They've been beaten and jailed unjustly. All they're doing is preaching the gospel, doing exactly what Jesus says to do, but because of some other people's prejudice against the Lord, they didn't want them doing this. And so they had them beaten publicly with no trial whatsoever and unjustly thrown in prison. And so um, they decided to let them go, that they learned their lesson. They would just sit them on down the road and wash their hands of this mess. And that's the way that Paul could have done. But when they came, the chief magistrate uh, sent uh, the policeman saying, release those men. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The chief magistrates have sent to release you. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. Ain't that so sweet? But Paul said, They have beaten us in public without trial, men who are Romans and have thrown us into prison, and now they're sending us away secretly? No, indeed. But let them come themselves and bring us out. It's going to be a public thing. The policemen reported these words to the chief magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard they were Romans. Brethren, he could have got them in a whole lot of trouble. And so they came and appealed to them, and when they had brought them out, they kept begging them to leave the city. They wanted rid of these because they could really make trouble for them. They went out of the prison and entered the house of the Lydia, and when they saw the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. So, brethren, this is what, there is a, such a thing as a biblical confrontation. We shouldn't enable sin. We shouldn't enable wrongdoing. And a lot of people will say, well, I've forgiven them, as if that is an excuse for them to continue to do that. Uh, no, 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 brethren, we need to understand, and we're going to look at this in greater detail, but the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, that those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Now, if God is trying to discipline somebody, don't you get in the way. Don't you be an enabler. Had a, had a lady in uh, our congregation in Augusta, Georgia, that we were blessed to convert, and, and she had seven kids, and she was a wonderful mother, but obviously her and her husband struggled valiantly and, and trying to work, you know, and, and, and raise those seven kids and keep food on the table. And, and she was a good, good-hearted soul. And she met this uh, 19-year-old young lady downtown, and the lady was begging for money, and she was homeless, and she was severely addicted to drugs. And she brought this lady into her home with her children, thinking that she was doing the right thing, that it was a good Christian thing to do. And she really tried to help her out. It brought her to church and everything, but it wasn't long at all before she found out that this lady was stealing from her and stealing things that they needed. And, and she was having enough, hard enough time putting food on her uh, table for her own children, much less for this young lady, and she was doing it anyway. And yet this lady basically stabbed her in the back and stole her blind, and, and so she ended up having to put her 
her out of the house, and she come in and was talking to me one day, and she said, Brother Green, you know, we learn and grow from our experiences. And I said, what did you learn from this? She said, the Bible says God's going to discipline those whom he loves and that God's going to bring the sinner low. And she says, if you try to hold on and hold somebody up that God's bringing down, she said, God will bring you down too. Now, brethren, think about that. I thought that was a great deal of wisdom from this young lady. And, and we need to understand that. We try to hold people up that God's trying to bring low so they'll repent that he's trying to humble and, and we get in the way, then we're going to be brought low. Don't stand in God's way, brethren. It's one thing to forgive somebody and to truly forgive them in the biblical way that we've talked about, but it's another to try to stand in God's way of chastising that individual, okay? That's the first one. Number two, forgiveness doesn't always mean reconciliation or a continued relationship. A lot of time we think this, see, because we're idealistic and we think, okay, somebody really done me wrong and I've forgiven them. Now there's going to be reconciliation. There's going to be like it used to be. It's going to be great once again, maybe even better. Beloved, Christ died on a cross in order to forgive us and the Bible said to reconcile us back to God. God wants that reconciliation that is a glorious offer of grace and love and mercy and compassion from our heavenly father and our lord but there's a whole lot of people in this world that refuse his loving offer they don't want to be reconciled to god their sin is separating from god and they and they like it that way god himself beloved doesn't force us into a relationship or reconciliation with him because then we'd be robots and not true children of his so likewise, all of our pleading and effort and forgiveness often cannot bring about reconciliation to a situation. It's kind of like all the king's horses and all the king's men that can't put Humpty together again. And sometimes that's the way it is in this life, brethren. You say, but Brother Green, I've forgiven them. That's good. And you're going to be blessed for that. But you know what, beloved? It takes three to have a successful relationship. That's you and the other person in God. And if the other person's not willing to co cooperate, see, you can only do what you can do. And if, if, if one person breaks the relationship and then they refuse to obey God in the matter, and, and then, then it's over. Brethren, sometimes we have to face that, that it's over. I was talking to a lady the other day, and she was mourning about her husband, and, and, and she said, I, I, I just have to finally accept that my husband's gone and he's not coming back. And, and, and he's dead. And I said, how long has he been dead? She said, 19 years. Beloved, it, when it's over, it's over sometimes. And we as humans, as, as much as our hearts go out and we would like for that relationship to continue, it's not going to do it. And we just have to understand. You are forced someone to remain in a relationship. We certainly can't make somebody love us. We can't make somebody have a relationship with us. God doesn't even force us to remain in a relationship with himself. He allows us to leave that. So we have to understand, brethren, that you can forgive somebody from the bottom of your heart. And that may not mean that it's going to be a, a, a reconciled relationship. I had an experience that when we lived in another town, early in our ministry, my wife and I were blessed to be able to convert uh, neighbors across the street, a married couple, to Christ. And, and, and they were wonderful people, and they were growing and doing well. And, and after a couple of years, the lady came to me, and she explained to me that 
by the time she, when she was a little bitty baby, her daddy would come home and abuse her horribly. And, and that according to what she'd been studying from the Bible, she, what did she need to do? And I said, you need to forgive him. And we looked at all the verses we've looked at prior to that, and she understand that. And she really got excited, and she went to him. She came and told me she was going to do this. She said, I'm going to go to my dad. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him that I've forgiven him for everything he's done against me. And, and, and I said, what do you expect to come from that? And she expected reconciliation. She expected that for the first time in her life, as a married woman with children of her own now, she could have a father-daughter type relationship that you, she should have been able to have all those years. And I tried to explain to her that it may not go that way at all. In fact, there's a possibility it would go horribly wrong. But she was so excited about it that she it's something she just had to do. And she come back just literally crushed. And she said, I thought he would break down and cry and hold me and apologize for all the many evils that he had done to me over the years and that everything would be made right. And she said, instead, when I went to him and said, Dad, I forgive you for everything that you've ever done to me, and I, I enumerated some of those things, she said, he looked me at me with eyes just as cold as steel and said, I never laid a hand on you and called her a liar. And, of course, brethren, she was crushed. Beloved, I think sometimes we underestimate the nature and the power of sin. And we expect because we forgive other people that that's going to make everything right. It doesn't. Forgiving others don't change their circumstances, and it oftentimes does not change the wrongdoer. It doesn't always bring about repentance and restitution or reconciliation. That's the way God would like it to be, brethren, of course. And that's the way we as good Christians would want it to be. But realistically, in a fallen world, it does not happen. And you say, well, why should I forgive them then? Because if... If, if forgiveness will certainly change the forgiver, it'll change your heart and your attitude and your life and, of course, your future. So you forgive anyway. Thirdly, brethren, another misconception. We need to understand that forgiveness and trust are not the same. People have said to their mate or to whoever, you know, that they've really done wrong. Well, if, you'll for, if you say you forgive me, then you ought to trust me now. Brethren, that's not the same. People struggle with guilt because they don't tr uh, trust the one that they've recently forgiven. We shouldn't expect uh, a badly wounded person to dispense uh, trust the way a vending machine dispenses candy bars, okay? If they've been hurt. They've been wounded. And we need to understand that. Forgiveness is freely given, brothers and sisters. It is a, lift of, it is a gift of love and grace and mercy, and, 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 and we appreciate that. But trust and trustworthiness is something that is earned and can certainly be destroyed. So we must be restored, or it must. Trust must be restored and rebuilt gradually over time. Lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was new in the ministry, and there was a guy that was a severe wife beater. There was a time he had held a knife to her throat and threatened to cut it. The reason he had had to come in for counseling, court ordered, is because he held a shotgun to her head, pulled the trigger, and the only reason she was alive was because the gun misfired. And so when you're court ordered, the judge said, you have to get counseling. I was the one they picked. He comes into my office, and after one session, at the end of the first session, he said, you call my, he didn't ask, he demanded. 
And he said, you call my wife and tell her I'm sorry and that she better come back to me right now. Brethren, I can't tell you from this pulpit my answer to him. Forgiveness and trust is not the same. It is possible to forgive a person for embezzling your money and for your benefit and his, you don't allow him to be the treasure of your company. You understand that, brethren? To forgive the transgression is essential. It's biblical. That's what the Bible says we have to do. To put that person back in a position of temptation is unwise and can even be cruel. If someone has truly repented, then they're going to be willing to gradually, over a period of time, to rebuild your trust and to, as the Bible says we should do, bring forth fruits of repentance. We've got to do that, brethren. Okay, so, so forgiveness is freely given. Trust is rebuilt over time. You understand that, brethren? That it can be two different things because some people don't. Okay, next, moving on. You can be forgiven, but you have to reap the consequences. Oh, brethren, this is a lot of people don't understand. I have people to come to me and say, say to me, oh, I'm going to sin all I want, Brother Green, and then ask God to forgive me, and he will, and then everything's going to be great. You know? No, 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 brethren. The Bible says very clearly that you can be forgiven of your sin and still reap the consequences. We converted a guy in Augusta, and he was a, a really neat guy, but he had been for years a severe alcoholic and drug addict, and he, he got off that stuff, every bit of it, brethren. But he come to me a couple of years after being a Christian, and I mean a faithful servant of the Lord, and he was dying, and he was dying from the results of his past life with the alcohol and drug abuse and the doctor says there's nothing to do your organs are gone you know and he come to me and he's in tears and he's upset and he said I've been trying to be a really good Christian so why now is this happening to me and we had to discuss this same thing that we're going to be talking about Galatians 6 7 through 9 do not be deceived God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that will he also reap the one who sows to his own flesh is going from the flesh reap corruption that's going to happen brethren but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So what do we do then? Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. Brothers and sisters, true, this is so true of sowing and reaping, okay? And, and uh, there, there's, there's laws of sowing and reaping, right? There, there's three laws, basically. One, as it says here, you're going to reap what you sow, Okay? That is exactly right. If you plant corn and you have a good crop, you're going to get corn. If you plant tomatoes, you're going to get tomatoes, okay? Uh, up north, that's a tomato. Uh, and, and, but if you, you ain't going to plant corn and go out there and see watermelon growing on them, okay? You reap what you sow. Number two, you reap more than you sow. Any nominal gardener, if, if you know, you plant one tomato plant, you're going to get several tomatoes on it. You plant one uh, ear, you get one ear of corn, there's going to be several seeds on that ear of corn. You reap more than you sow, brothers and sisters. And as every farmer or good gardener knows, you're going to reap later than you sow. That's the, that's the danger part of it, isn't it? A lot of people, especially young, and not young people, I'm not picking on you exclusively because us old people sometimes don't learn our lesson, but it begins when we're young, doesn't it? And, and, and you do something, boy, and you, and you know it's wrong and you think you're going to get caught and you look over your shoulders, you know. I remember the first time I stole something. I was two. No, no, I, I was a youngster. I did it on a dare. 
It was stupid, but I did it on a dare because, you know, somebody double dog dares you, you know. You got to do it. And, and, man, I just knew. I just knew I was caught, man. I just knew. You know, I went out in the backyard and buried it. It was a little item cost less than a dollar in that day. But I buried it because I was so afraid that I was going to be caught because I knew. I just thought it was in my, And guess what? I didn't get caught. And nobody knew about it. And so I thought, oh, I got away with it, right? Because you reap later than you sow, brethren, and that gives people this false sense of security that, <clears throat> okay, it's done, but you will reap what you sow. It's going to be later, but it's going to come. Brethren, like our Savior, we are to forgive, but we must not attempt to shield people from the consequences of their sinfulness because God said it's going to happen. Forgiveness only has true meaning for those who understand there is such a thing as wrong or sin. You see, some people would do you dirty and they justify it, so they're not going to they're, they're understand your forgiveness and they're not going to ask for it and they're not going to want it. Some people refuse to ask for forgiveness or to feel the need for, to be forgiven because they have no moral sense of right and wrong. They have no moral compass. So what if I cheat on my wife? That's, that's my right, you know. If I can attract another woman, fine. The more the merrier. A lot of people have that attitude. But when we forgive, brothers and sisters, we forgive the one who has wronged or sinned against us. So as dirty and filthy as some people can do you, they'll justify it. So God's law requires that the transgressor make restitution, Acts 26.20, and reap the consequences of their sin, right? So, beloved, forgive? Yes. If you're in Christ, are you forgiven? Certainly. But do you avoid the consequences of those sins? No. Man says, my wife says she's forgiven me for committing adultery, but yet... She has to be allowed to call my office any time unannounced, and I better answer the phone. She has to know about my whereabouts all the time, and if I'm going to stop by the store on the way home, I better call her and let her know, honey, I'm dropping by the 7-Eleven and going to grab, you know, a couple of things real quick, and I'll be a few minutes late. He said, I, I, I've got to take care. I've got to take care to do that. Is that forgiveness? I told him, yes, that's forgiveness. In fact, that's forgiveness with accountability. Now, be willing to reap the consequences of destroying trust until you're able to rebuild it once again. Galatians 6, 9, Let us not become weary in well-doing, for in due time we shall reap if we do not faint or do not quit or give up. Beloved, that's what forgiveness is. It's not the same as trust. Trust needs to be rebuilt. So let's bring it to a close today, okay? Forgiveness, one does not mean continue, that you allow continual abuse or wrongdoing against you. Number two, it does not always mean reconciliation as much as we would like that, but the truth is it doesn't happen that way sometimes. It, it's not the same as trust. There are two different issues. And thirdly, you can be forgiven, certainly, but you have to reap the consequences of your sinful behavior. Someone say, well, then, brother, in a nutshell, what is in biblical forgiveness? If you'd have tuned in, if you've, those of you who did tune in last week got a, got a good sense of that because we looked at what the Bible says. But, brethren, it basically it means that I give up 
the resentment and the hurt and the claim to justice on account of an offense that's been done to me. It means no more bitterness, no more grudge holding. It means letting go. It means moving on. It means to continue to love the person who's done you wrong. It means you're not going to remind them of it constantly. It means doing what God says to do. But it does not mean these four things that we've looked at today, and I hope I've been able to clear up some of those misconceptions. But brethren, here's the thing. As sinful humans, our forgiving others is oftentimes imperfect and, of course, not immediate. It's something we have to work on. It's a difficult thing to do. But we need to understand that that's not the case with God. The Bible tells us he's eager to forgive. He's eager to have a relationship and reconciliation with us. And God offers immediate, complete forgiveness to those who are willing to come to him according to his word, the scripture. And friend, if you've not done that today, one, you need that forgiveness. Because you don't want to go to hell, hopefully. And you want to be in heaven. You need God's forgiveness. And he's nailed his son to a cross so you can have it. And he's made it available for you. And we love to sit down with God's word and show you exactly from his scripture what it says to do. To have that forgiveness. To have that blood of Jesus applied. And to have you made right with him. If you need to do that, if you're out watching us today, please contact us if you're here. You have the opportunity to come forward now while we stand and sing.